Hi there. Welcome to On the Flip Side, a podcast for anyone who wants to live their best sales life. We're going to be talking to buyers, sales managers, SDRs and AEs about things like what does it take to be a great sales manager or how can you go home happy month after month. So let's dive right in. Hey Molly, lovely to have you here with me on our inaugural episode of uh, the podcast. So before we get started, you know, I'd love to hear what got you here into sales, what's been your journey. Sure. So it's been 10 plus years. I won't say how much the plus is, but but I've been in sales a long time and my grandpa is actually what got me into sales. He gave me my first commission when I was 4. He only gave me a quarter. <laughs> but I was in uh the front of his shop and helped sell some boxes of pens that I thought I really liked and as a young child that had an affinity for office supplies and drawing you know I think I felt like a little bit of an expert with pens so that was kind of how I got started and seeing him run his business and working in sales is what really inspired me to always want to do it nice and You know, of course, as you grew into an adult, was this always the first thing you wanted to try, or what got you hooked? It it was yeah, it was always what I wanted to do. I know that that's a really strange thing to find someone in sales who has wanted to do it since they were young, but again, I, I think seeing him run his business, the way he interacted with people, and the way he was able to help, really inspired me to want to do the same. Nice, and of course, I mean, you know. A lot of the interesting things about sales is uh, there's never like a dull moment. You know, there's always a reset that happens, whether that's monthly or quarterly, right? So, yeah, the interesting thing is pretty much everybody who's been in sales, even for not as long as you have, has had uh, some ups and downs. And so, have there been kind of any stories where you know you maybe what you would define as lows in uh, that journey? Yeah, I think that I've had some jobs that made me wonder if sales was still for me, but it had more to do with not the ideal fit in the company or not a great I guess interaction with myself and my manager. But, you know, those were all temporary. It's something that I really have a passion for doing. So, I think the climate is is very important when you're in sales, but finding things that you're passionate about isn't easy. So, I stick with what I like. <laughs> nice. And, you know, of course, one of the things that I want to do in this conversation is to kind of get your perspective as a sales rep and like feedback that you would want to give to sales managers in general, having gone through various aspects of the journey. And of course, you know, not necessarily getting into rat anyone out, but anything you'd like to share a little bit on how during some of those lows, what kind of didn't work in terms of. what your manager was doing or not doing for you and what you think would have been useful or you know in retrospect if you could get your manager feedback what would you have told them sure so i think it's really important to be on the same team and to be open and receptive to feedback and the way some managers operate it doesn't feel like you're working together it feels like you're opposing forces micromanagement is something that drives me crazy companies that hire people who have experience but want them to follow procedures and scripting for instance is really difficult for me because why hire someone with any experience if you want to suck it out of them you know if you won't let them utilize it so i think it's mostly about communication 
and how often someone communicates, how well they communicate. And again, being on the same team when you're receiving that feedback, there are certain people that have been more critical than offering feedback that would have been useful. So I think finding that relationship and uh, the interaction that fits for you is really important. So for managers that I've had before, micromanagement is gross. <laughs> if you can't trust your employees, find new employees and certainly treat them like humans. It's difficult when you have a manager who hasn't treated you like one for a long time. And then they ask, you know, the questions that you should ask day one. I worked for someone who thought I was married for four months. So that was a little strange. I thought she knew me pretty well, but yeah, I thought somewhere there was a husband, you know, just things like that. Got it. You know, the two things, one is don't micromanage and actually spend the time and effort to get to know the person who are working, uh, person who's working with you. That sounds pretty straightforward, but yeah, doesn't happen still in 2020. And given that we are in 2020, probably even harder, right, in some ways. But, you know, one of the things that you mentioned that was really interesting was how do they give you feedback so that while it's not micromanagement, it is still productive and it is still helpful and packaged in a manner that you would have actually received. So, you know, if there's any story maybe where somebody gave you feedback that actually kind of clicked and you were able to take it up or not, uh, right? would love to hear a little bit more. So... A former CEO let me know that I did not have a right to agree to disagree. And that was a moment of clarity for me. I, you know, of course, I've got a bold personality. I'm not afraid to speak my mind. And that was something that he valued in me. But there was a particular scenario where I had strong feelings. My manager had strong feelings. I wanted to agree to disagree. And he reminded me that I don't always have that right. And sometimes you just have to take what someone's giving you, follow their lead, follow their direction, even if they haven't explained it, which can be difficult for me. I'm a big picture thinker. I like to know where things are going and why things work the way that they do. So I think having that limited view made it more challenging, but it was, it was great feedback. And I was, I had a great relationship with him. It was easy to receive, not easy to hear, <laughs> but something that made a big difference. Got it. So, so that's interesting, right? Like, I think because, sounds like because of that relationship, you know, while it wasn't easy to hear, you were actually receptive to that, uh, right? You know, for someone who's, you know, kind of learning the ropes of managing a sales team, what do you think went into making that relationship something where, you know, it was a little bit more open or where you were actually also receptive to things, which otherwise sound pretty harsh? I think a lot of times people try to schedule crucial and difficult conversations, and those cause more anxiety than anything else. No one wants to see a meeting on their calendar for 4 p.m. to talk to their boss when they know that there's something that they need to talk about. Like, you just kind of feel like it's looming. So I think what, what helped for me was that he called me right away. We had a conversation. It wasn't a set meeting where we both had to show up and wonder what the other person was going to say. It was just casual. You want to treat people like humans. So he treated me like a human being. He gave me feedback fast enough for it to matter. And that helped everyone. Mm, that's, you know, timely feedback and not, not creating too much suspense or drama around it. 
Right. <laughs> we don't we don't need a thriller. We just need a good conversation sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe you know, maybe trying to throw back all the way to your early days as maybe an SDR when you were prospecting and trying to kind of get into the weeds of things, right? What was kind of in those instances, right? Like what were some of the things that you found really, in some sense, things that would maybe cause anxiety or things that you didn't like about uh, those parts of the job? So I've always been full cycle. There's never been a time where I wasn't responsible for prospecting myself. And mm-hmm. I love that. I think that that's made me a more well-balanced seller. And, you know, you got to stay hungry. So things that were difficult. I mean, no one really gets excited to make cold calls. Anyone that says that is probably lying. <laughs> I mean, there's a, if you've got a great lead list and you know that this is your target ICP, that's one thing. But just a cold prospect with nothing. I mean, I've worked on uh, plenty of teams where there was no technology. My CRM was my notebook. There was no lead list, no contact number. I mean, I think I was that was back in the days of MapQuest. So I'm pretty sure I was using Google to find people. So I, I think that was challenging. And I know there's a lot of startups where that's the situation. But obviously, this was a lot longer ago. And, uh, you know, I think not having resources, not having procedures, not having anything, it was a brand new role too. <laughs> not having anything to work off of was a challenge. But once I was able to develop a rhythm and uh, a routine for myself, it worked out pretty well. Got it. And when you're doing cold calling, right, like you said, it is hard. Now, I have, of course, folks on my team who do that. And sometimes because cold calling is so hard, people don't want to do it, right? Did you need external nudges or were there external nudges that was, or was it just all internal motivation to, you know, pick up the phone every day and uh, keep at it? It depended. It depended on the role of the company, the time, the product, and who I was calling. I think that you have to go into the positive mindset. If you're walking into this like, oh, I don't want to make any calls, it's going to go terribly. People can feel that. You know, you have to really be feeling ready to make cold calls. So proper preparation. One job, we spent the afternoon planning for the next day's worth of calls. So you had call prep. And it was great to just have that ready to knock out. And you felt like you knew what you were doing going into it. But I think, again, it all comes down to attitude when you're making calls. You can't sound like you hate it. (laughs) Yeah, that is one place where you can't fake it till you make it. Right. (laughs) And you mentioned something interesting that you've always been a full cycle rep. And I do have people on my team who kind of go through that. But sometimes what I find challenging, and I know that they find challenging as well, is balancing that, right? Like, I know, like, last week of the month, they're not going to do any prospecting. And that's kind of fine, but then that rhythm breaks and, you know, the follow-up rhythm breaks. How did you manage striking that balance? It was always about the long game, right? So you may have the week or the quarter, the year ending, but if you're not preparing yourself for what happens after that, you're going to find yourself having really inconsistent commission checks. So for me, it was I needed to stay consistent because my income needed to stay consistent and not necessarily for any reason other than I prefer for it to be consistent. (laughs) So, you know, looking ahead, I remember my first boss out of college, I was selling cars 
and you'd sell a car and the next thing that he would ask is what's next like you weren't even really allowed to celebrate it because he was busy asking where's the next one which for a minute felt i guess it stung but at the same time it motivated you it got me trained and ready to continue you can't celebrate a sale you've got to look at the next one and so would you say that you know even if it was the last week of the uh, quarter you would still dedicate some time to prospecting well so you're always going to have deals that change they might not close in the next week you want them to but you have to give them equal respect because if they're not going to close in the next week they might close in the next three weeks so i think it's important to be looking at everything ahead because you always need to be keeping a forward motion and if you don't you're going to have problems with your pipeline it's not about your manager coming down on you for it it's not about the company asking you what your kpis are if you're not preparing yourself to continue to win month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, then eventually it's going to catch up to you and it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And since you mentioned KPIs, right? Like, are there things that you've seen, and I'm sure there are, over your career, which kind of felt like KPIs that just made your job a little bit difficult or maybe took away from the bigger picture uh, versus KPIs that you thought worked really well in keeping everybody aligned? from manager to rep? I certainly, <laughs> I almost always hate call KPIs because I've worked on big teams with people who know how to skirt the rules. And it's not, it's not a representation of the work. I think talk time is a much better one. Obviously you're not mm -hmm. calling somebody to shoot the breeze, but your manager should be able to review your calls and see what the content is. Plus your CRM. I, I love CRMs. I'm a crazy person documenting things. If it's not in the CRM, it didn't happen for me. So, you know, it's about using those tools for yourself. And if I'm having call after call after call where people are picking up, want to engage, want to talk and really get excited about it, I shouldn't have to feel at the end of the day that I have to stay an extra hour to leave voicemails. Mm -hmm. it, it should be about the quality and what it's turning into rather than just checking a box. Yeah, so I think on the calling side, you're absolutely right. You know, probably some quality metrics rather than just quantity metrics that maybe help get the real picture. Do you have something similar that you would say on the email side? Uh, absolutely. There are so many automation tools. People use a lot of templates for emails and you see so much more, especially now. I mean, it's 2020, you cannot deny that we have all received emails from every company we've ever done business with hearing how they're handling COVID to, you know, we sign up for webinars, we sign up for other meetings. So there's so much coming in, you know, we're being used and people are targeting us now. So it's finding a way to cut through all that noise and personalizing or individualizing messaging when it matters most if you've got to spend 20 minutes to craft the best email for someone and it resonates, you only have to send a couple. It's better than sending out a templated email 50 times just to reach a KPI. And, and again, those are the things I understand from a company standpoint, you have to have something. There has to be a standard. They know there's going to be an up and down day, but you need to find a way to consistently measure quality and the effort that someone's putting in rather than just counting something. You know, as a manager, though, sometimes 
it is harder for me to think of what that quality metric might be right like quantity metrics are of course easier to measure all right like i can go and check on the crm how many emails were sent by this person or how many calls were made by this person and the other thing when it comes especially to prospecting is there is a little bit of a trade off in terms of you know the numbers right if there are not enough numbers i also don't know if my reps are you know trying enough different things that eventually will help them find the winning formula you know if if you were to put yourself in your manager's spot like what would your advice be on how to find the right mix ask your team ask your team what they feel is a solid representation of the time that they've invested in their day ask them what you can do to move administrative tasks out of their bucket if it's possible you know you're all working towards the same goal that should be the way that it works you shouldn't um you shouldn't be looking at numbers trying to catch an employee who's not doing things correctly it should be a tool for them not a weapon you know you all want to be moving in the same direction working towards a common goal no one is in sales because they don't want to make money and they don't want to close sales we all have this same goal but trying to work together to establish what those KPIs should be if you've got buy in from your team you can hold them more easily accountable like just getting their input i think is huge yeah no that that's really good advice because not only do you hopefully get to the right api the kpis but also you are then able to have their buy into it which which is more than half the job and you definitely have fantastic energy and sales definitely requires a lot of energy right just in terms of getting through all the ups and downs and sometimes the monotony all right what's been your secret weapon you know as a sales person i'm motivated by the people that i've helped and i don't take jobs that aren't fulfilling to me i really want to be able to be in a position to make a difference and somehow help the customers that i'm working with so that's always a drive you know i want to help more people why would i not i think it's a job that can be soul crushing there are days that are terrible i know a lot of people get disheartened when people hang up on them i'm very strange i love when people hang up because i assume that there was a technical difficulty and i call right back if i'm confident enough in why i'm reaching out i'm not afraid to call back again and if they put me in a voicemail they put me in a voicemail 9 times out of 10 i've got personal experience that those people will either say that it was a mistake that they hit the wrong button or uh that they didn't mean to hang up. I mean it, it's really well received. I've never received any bad feedback calling back again. Nice. Uh that's pretty awesome. <laughs> like, until you know that they meant to do it, why would you take it personally? Yeah. That that's that's true. And of course, I mean like you said, right, very often when somebody is putting down the phone and it first came to me as a bit of a revelation which is they don't really remember who they put the phone down on right they only need to remember the people they have the conversations with so yeah it's okay if they put the phone down on you and you call them right back because they don't quite remember right awesome so molly where are you in your journey what what is next for you and where can people find you to learn more about you know your secrets good questions so right now i'm doing independent consulting work you know covid has been pretty rough on the sales industry in general <laughs> i was working in event 
sales, sponsorships, attendance, certifications, and things like that. So obviously that market hit the skids a little bit, but independent consulting work is a passion of mine. And I've had my own business for a few years. So whether it's companies that are looking to modify the way that they work because of 2020, which has been a big draw, or, you know, there's a great sales opportunity out there for me. I'm not quite sure. We'll see. Nice. And in fact, that's how Molly and I first met. She was a great salesperson at AISP and that's how we got introduced and we've just stayed in touch because she's been definitely a fantastic salesperson. Thanks so much, Molly. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Likewise. Thank you. And you've been a wonderful founder to work with. I'm so excited to see as you continue to put more and more content out. I've seen you on a few podcasts and it's, it's always wonderful to see your energy and your curiosity. So Thank you for having me and, and thanks for connecting. Thank you. That was awesome.